People of God, it's good to be here this morning. Normally, this is the time when we would do our offering, but because, you know, with COVID and everything, we're not going to be passing around the offering plate like we normally do. Instead, there is a box in the back. So after the service, you can go and you can put your offering in the box. There's always an opportunity to give online as well. And this week, uh, we're reminded that another way for us to give, and not just to our own particular community, but to the global community, is that we have Peter Fish to hand out uh, to whoever, to grab who anyone who wants one, they can grab a Peter fish, they could fill it with, you know, change or bills or a check or whatever it is. That, those Peter fish, they're collected for a denominal agency, denomination agency um, in the CRC called World Renew. It's the relief agency. And those go to help, that money goes to help fighting uh, poverty and hunger around the world. And so, you can grab those today, and then in two weeks, November 1st, that is World Hunger Sunday, please bring those Peter fish back so we can, you know, count the money, we can send it off to the organization as well. So we're reminded today that, you know, giving is an act of worship, not just for our local community, although that's mostly the reason that we do it, but also that, you know, God who's given us all that we have, he calls us to, to serve him by using our gifts as well, and by even sharing that around the globe. And as we continue our worship, would you please, uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles, you know, whether you brought your own Bible, whether you are just reading on the screen, feel free to even, you know, pull up the Bible on your phone. But we're going to turn to Romans 8, 26 um, through 30. It's our passage for today. So Romans 8, 26 through 30. Hear these words. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that they might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and that those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week we talked a little, we talked about this passage. We've been going through Romans 8 for a couple of weeks now slowly dissecting all of the really like deep stuff that's in there and one of the things that it's important to remind ourselves is a little bit of the background that the book of Romans was not written to a church that Paul knew really well only thing he only heard things about this church he had heard a little bit of what was going on and Paul was writing this to a church that Paul thought he had a little bit of experience to be able to speak to them better. You see, in the Roman church, there were, it was basically consisting of a church that was probably like half Jewish and half Gentile, half Jewish, half not Jewish. 
And so there were a lot of these people in the early church who were probably like questioning a lot of things, what it meant to be a Christian, whether or not they really belonged in the church in the first place. So they were trying to figure out a lot of these things. And Paul, he had heard a little bit about this church, probably through the grapevine, through his connections that he had. And he had heard that they were having some issues. There was some conflict in the church. They were dealing with some sort of fighting. And so that's why Paul thinks to himself, you know, I got some experience. I can help them out. Paul, this really good Jewish guy, grew up, uh, probably went to good Jewish schools, definitely went to good Jewish higher ed, got a degree. He was a, you know, a Pharisee for a while. He had a good Jewish name. He, people would have known who Paul is, and if they didn't, they'd have been like, okay, they would have known pretty quickly. Like, this guy is a Jewish guy. He knows his stuff. But he was a Jewish guy who spent his, most of his time with the Gentiles. These people, you know, who didn't grow up, didn't learn, know the Torah, didn't keep kosher. So Paul, this really good, thoughtful Jewish scholar, was spending all this time with Gentiles, and he felt that he had some help, he, he could help out this church that was going through this conflict between Jews and Gentiles. And, you know, we get a little bit of a sense of what, was, what the conflict was happening, right? What kind of conflict was happening at that time between these groups. And, you know, we, re- we read in the text and we can kind of infer it. Last week, we talked about how the Gentiles, right, they were having, they were kind of bringing in some of their culture with them, their cultural assumptions, their cultural baggage. And they were thinking, oh, you know, the the creation doesn't matter as much. You know, what matters is the spiritual life. So don't worry. God doesn't care about creation that much. Well, we learned last week that it does. But this week, we're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, the Jews, they were bringing in some of their old cultural stuff as well and causing some people to feel like maybe that they were less than, right? You know, there would have been a lot of Jews, these good Jewish Christians that were, you know, a part of these churches, and they would have had, you know, good Jewish names, they would have had good Jewish backgrounds, or the right upbringing, they would have known the traditions, they would have known the prayers, all of these things that good Jewish people would need to know. They would have felt like they were pretty good. And then in the meantime, you get all these Gentiles who are probably starting to think, man, am I going to, do I fit into this place? I don't know all the prayers. You know, my name doesn't sound like a good Jewish name. I, 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 I didn't learn the Torah growing up. I didn't, I didn't learn all these things. There's so much that I hear about when the pastor's preaching that goes right over my head. And I don't really get any of it. And so these Gentiles are probably, you know, when Paul got there talking to Pastor Paul and saying, you know, Pastor Paul, I, I don't know if I feel like I can fit in in this place, right? I don't have the right name. My name sound, doesn't sound like these good Jewish names. I, I don't have the right upbringing. I don't, I, you know, they talk all the time about, you know, the Jewish cultural things, like the foods that they're eating and how it's a better diet and that's what it should be and all these things. And I, I, I don't know the first thing of what it means to be a Jewish person. So I don't know, Pastor Paul, if, if I even fit in. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I made some mistakes growing up. Sure, I mean, like, I was, you know, I worshipped idols for a long time, and that's a big no-no. And, and of course, you know, my, my early days, my, my teens were pretty rowdy. So, you know, is, is God even going to use someone like me, Pastor Paul? I mean, I love Jesus. I love, I love the things that he's done for me, but I don't know if I fit in. 
How do I know if God's really called me to this, Pastor Paul? Would Would God even use someone like me? Would God even use someone, a Gentile like me? Not a part of the chosen people. Maybe he won't. I remember in college, in one of my history classes, my my professor would remind us that he would always say, like, remember, history, you know, people, like, are very different, right? People a thousand, two thousand, I mean, even a hundred years ago, very different culture, very different mindset, you know. He would basically say, a, a good saying he would always say is, like, think of history as a foreign country, right? If you go to a foreign country, they're gonna have a different culture, different language, different way of speaking all these things. They're very different from us, and that is true. And that's really important for us to remember when we're reading the Bible, when we're reading this you know, document where the newest parts were only written, were written 2,000 years ago. It's a reminder, like, let's not, you know, we gotta, we gotta learn a little bit about it. But at the same time, people are people. And just how there are things that kind of transcend cultural barriers, there seems to be things that transcend history as well. And it feels like this passage kind of is one of those. What's going on in this early church where people just don't feel like they fit into this place, right? That like other people are alienating them. And they're having these questions of whether God has actually called them to this or whether God would use someone like them. Because I imagine a lot of us, we've had similar questions. We've had similar doubts whether God would use someone like us. You know, do we fit in a church? Do we fit in church? You know, maybe we don't have the right name or we don't, you know, didn't grow, grow up going to church. So we feel like, oh, I don't know if God's going to want to use someone like me. I was a pretty wild and sinful person back in my day. You know, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Maybe, maybe God's not calling me and doesn't want me. Maybe I am too sinful to fit in or maybe I'm not worthy of God's love. Some of us have felt that way. And others of us, you know, we've gone to the opposite side and we're like, well, you know, I am a pretty good person. I do a lot of good things. I've gone to church basically my whole life. You know, I went to Christian school. I got a good, good last name. I, I know the culture of what it means to be a Christian. And so maybe we would never say it, but we kind of have this understanding that maybe we, you know, like, yeah, God, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, you know, of course you would want to use someone like me. We would never say that, you know, we're working to earn God's love or our own salvation. But it sometimes looks like that. And so, of course, like, of course would want, God would want to use someone like me. I'm a great person. I'm a really good, I love my neighbors. I mean, I love my neighbors as long as you don't, like, peer into my heart or anything. And then when we read verse 27, and we see that Paul, he calls God, the, per, the, the God who searches our heart, the searcher of hearts, you know, God, I, I'm a pretty good person. Like, just, just focus on the outside. That's, that's what matters, right? Don't look inside my heart. Because, I mean, if you look inside my heart, of course you're going to find bad stuff. Of course you're going to find the mean, things I think, the mean things I think about my neighbor. I want you to focus on the, the good stuff, the good things that I do. And we're reminded, like we were reminded this week in youth group, when we were looking at the story of, you know, the anointing of David, that God, he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And so God searches our heart. 
and we can't hide anything from them. And so no matter how good we think we are, we know that ultimately we fall short. And when we hear that, when we hear this idea of God being the searcher of our hearts, it's actually one of those things where it's like, it doesn't sound very, it, it doesn't sound like good news right away or very hopeful. Like, oh boy, God's, God knows everything. He, he, he can see all the bad things that I'm thinking or wanting to do or the desires that I have, right? And when we hear that, it can just kind of reaffirm that maybe we're feeling, oh, of course, like if God can search my heart, of course I'm not worthy. Of course God wouldn't want to use me. Or on the other hand, we can just get a little bit more angry and resentful, like, hey, I'm doing the best I can, God. Like, why would you even, like, you know, of course you know what's going on, but like, why would you even focus on that? Choose, on, choose to dwell on, you know, the good things I do. And so we can, we can get annoyed at this idea that God is the searcher of our hearts. And it can almost feel like it reinforces, it reinforces how we're feeling about being part of the church. And at first, it really doesn't sound all that hopeful to think God knows everything. God knows everything that I do wrong, every, everything that I think wrong. All, he knows all the desires, the, the bad desires that I have too. But of course, we know, as we reminded last week, about the hope that God is he's writing to this church. And he's writing these words as a message of hope. That God, the God who searches your heart, who knows all the bad stuff you're thinking, who knows all your desires, that that is a message of hope. And yeah, it does seem odd at first. Why would it be, why, why is that good news for me that God knows everything, all the bad stuff that I'm thinking about, that I'm an open book, that God knows my mind and knows all these things? How is that a hopeful thing? Well, it's hope because we worship a God who knows all our weaknesses? Who, who knows how, we're, how, how our, our, our failings, how we're going to mess up, how we're, how we're not able to, to serve God completely on our own? Sure, we may think a lot of times that, hey, we got this, we got this figured out, I don't really need anyone. But actually, we desperately need God and need all the things that he offers us. So we trust, and, and our hope is, that we worship a good God. A good God who knows us, who, who knows our weaknesses, and wants us to follow him, who loves us and calls us to follow him anyway. Right? That's one of the great things about the Old Testament. You read the Old Testament, and you see that no matter how great that person was in the story, they all mess up, they all fall short, they all look pretty bad, even compared to us sometimes. And we know that God, he calls us, he wants to us to follow him. And so he calls us out, and he calls out and he empowers us because he knows our weaknesses. He knows, I know you're not going to be able to do it all. I know you're not going to be able to follow me perfectly, so let me help you out. Let me, let me empower you. Let me, let me take the lead on these things. Let me be the one who's, doing, who's turning all the things into good. Right? Verse 28. It's one that some of us might know pretty well. Paul says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And Paul's not saying here that, oh, you know, like, 
if something sounds, if, you know, if, if you're in a situa situation that feels bad, if you're in a situation that, you know, it's pretty hard and pretty difficult, that, you know, it's actually secretly a good thing, that God, God's, that, that it's a good thing, and, and maybe you just don't realize it yet, or maybe you just don't have enough faith. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying, oh, you know, this bad, hard, hard time you're going through is actually secretly a good thing. What he's saying is that God is at work in all things, for good. And he's using all things to eventually bring about the ultimate good of reconciliation. And so even when we feel down, we can trust that God is working. God is at work. When maybe things are, go are so difficult that we don't even know how to pray. We, can't, we don't even know what words to pray to God. And so he has given us the Holy Spirit who actually will pray on our behalf when we don't have the words to pray for these things. God is at work in all the things that he is, his work is coming out good. The ultimate good. Right? Last week we talked about it, that God cares so deeply about his world. He cares about creation that even the whole creation is going to be redeemed. And so, of course, if God cares that deeply about creation, about, you know, the rocks and the trees and, and the sky, how much more does he care about us? that God will support those of us that he calls into a life of faith, those who he calls out from our sinful ways to be a part of the body of Christ, that God will be at work in us, that he gives us all that we need to follow and serve him, even when it sometimes doesn't feel like it. And so Paul continues in the passage, and he, he talks about, you know, like predestination and all these things. And that can sound a little scary, right? There's a lot in this passage that like, at least, you know, some people might really like to hear and other people like really don't want to hear, which is interesting. And it can be really used and twisted in weird ways. But what Paul is reminding us in this passage, what he's reminding those Gentile believers, and he's, you know, kind of telling those Jewish believers, like, hey, God called you. You know, God chose your family. Like, don't get too, like, don't get too excited about that. And to the Gentiles, he's saying, yes, God has called you. Like, just like he called the Jewish people out. He's called you. You are part of the new Israel and the church. And so what Paul is telling us is that God is the primary mover in our spiritual lives. He is the primary mover in, the light, in, our, in our spiritual lives. And so, therefore, God the Father calls us out. He calls us into this new life, even when we sometimes don't even realize we're being called to be a Christian. And that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from sin and evil, and then the Holy Spirit leads us and will pray for us as we live and go about our lives throughout the day throughout the weeks, throughout the years, our whole lives. And so Paul, he uses this kind of scary, this really misunderstood idea of predestined, that God, God knew that he was going to choose us. And it's one of those things that I know a lot of Christians can kind of like think too much about maybe, um, myself included. And we can, we can get a little bit of, you know, we can get a little concerned about what does this all mean. And there's a lot going on. And Quite frankly, Paul's not super clear on what he's talking about. But this idea that God is the one who's ultimately at work, that he's the one who is at work in our spiritual lives, 
when we, before we even realize it, before we even know what to do, that God is, pull, is pulling us along, he's walking with us, he's leading us. It's not ultimately our decisions, it's God himself. And that it's not meant to be alienated towards other people. Like it's, we're not trying to say some people are in, some people are out, so you better be concerned. What it's saying is that those of us who, ha- who feel called, who are in the body of Christ, it's tremendous comfort that no matter what we're, what's going on, no matter what, you know, like, you know, no matter how weak we feel, how overwhelmed we feel, we trust that God is at work, that he has called us, that he loves us, and he equips us. God is in control when we are not, when we feel like we can't, when we, when we feel like we, we're not in control, when we think we're in control and we're actually not. God is the primary mover in our spiritual in our spiritual lives. And so we can rest in the comfort in knowing that God has called us out to serve him as he loves us and he wants to use us for his glory. Would you please join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, we we come to you this morning we come to you, Lord, not knowing whether or not we feel, you know, sometimes we feel like we don't belong here. Sometimes we feel like we're, you know, that we're actually blessing you, God, in some strange way. But, Lord, we're reminded that you've called us. You've called us to serve you. You've called us to serve you even before most of us even realized what that even meant. You've called us to be your children to love and serve you. And you equip us so that even when we feel like we don't know what we're doing, we don't know the right way to serve you, you give us all that we need through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so to remind ourselves that those who you've called, you equip. And you make make sure they have what they need to love and serve you. Help us, Lord, to love and serve you this week through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.